the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and... Um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, training director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association. And also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. Have fun and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And we welcome you to the Bible Live Quiz Show. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. And we are ready to get started. Jacob is here with me. I'm here. <laughs> 
He is here. He says so, so he is true. He is here. Um, Before I get to all the important stuff, may I add, to me, one of the most important things. Can yes, any, please do. Please do. Can anybody hear me? Yeah, we uh, hear you. Okay. Am I on the air, John? We think you're on the air. John, am I on the air? All right. I think you're on the air, John. Okay, good. Uh, I want to say hi to my grandson, Tavin, that's listening, and my grand and my daughter, Janine. They're listening tonight. You got a hat on that says Zeta. Uh huh. Which is Grandpa. Grandpa. Okay. All right. And uh, but I want to say hi because they're both listening, and I figured he might hey, get sleepy and go to sleep. Hey, Tavin. Good to see you. He did. So and also there. to anybody else in Phoenix that's listening. Hello. That's right. Hello. And hopefully, folks are listening. You know, we're out there on the internet now, out in the cyber world, and people could be listening from anywhere. We never really want to. Uh, uh, think unnecessarily that no one's out there. We we believe you're there. We're hopefully you can join us. We've got some phone numbers you can call us during the next ninety minutes. We're going to be um, giving some questions here from our Bible readings this past week. Now you know we've we've done some changing. We're not uh, on the radio now with our Bible reading program. We've gone to a podcast and we're present on the internet, and we're hoping you will join us there uh, as well. You can go to the BibleLive.com or BibleLive.com and check in there. We're trying to get the website all up and geared so that you can join us uh, at your own leisure, that you can go and hear the Bible readings, continue our Bible reading schedule that we have from, for now for almost, this is our 15th year of reading through the Scriptures, uh, and we want you, we're going to continue the same schedule and invite you to join us. We are right now... Finishing reading uh, this past week, Genesis chapters 36 through 50. So we finish up the book of Genesis uh, this past week. Next week, I guess it is, we'll be going on into the book of Exodus, right? And uh, well, Actually, uh, part of the things we do tonight is Exodus, the beginning. Do we? We jump in. You're exactly right. Chapter well, 1 through 6. Exactly might be a bit much, but I'm right. No, no, you're exactly right. You are exactly. Chapters 1 through 6 tonight. In the book of Exodus. So we've, we've already made that leap from the book of beginnings over into the book of uh, <laughs> Exodus, <laughs> coming out or something like that, uh, coming out of, uh, of Egypt. So uh, you've been following along with us. Hopefully you can continue to join us there on the podcast and make your way through the Bible with us every year. And here on the weekends, then, we're going to continue to ask you some questions, give you a chance to kind of scratch a little deeper into the Word. Yeah, and uh, answer some questions. We try to hope, hopefully, uh, particularly Jacob, uh, and and I'll give it my best shot as well to bring a little clarity to the text. And would be taking your phone calls. You can give us a call three four zero ninety five eighty five anytime during the hour, and you can call us long distance if you happen to be listening anywhere in the continental United States. Our toll free number is eight seven seven six thirty. Five seven five seven. So you can join us as well uh, for the Bible Live Quiz Show. Shall I pick out some questions, Jacob, from the uh, Psalms? I wouldn't have it any other way. Eleven through fifteen. Those are the Psalms we read. It's what we call our Wisdom and Worship segment. And then uh, Jacob has some questions selected from our reading from Genesis thirty-six through fifty and Exodus chapters one mm-hmm. through six. All right. Let me go here in. Um, I, this is always fascinating to me to pick out verses. This is 
I suppose this is a little bit politically incorrect in, in biblical terms. Uh, according to Psalm 11, verse 5, and maybe Jacob will correct me on this. Oh, I would 20, never correct you. You're, you've got 30 well, years' experience. I you're a Baptist minister. I don't mind My being goodness. corrected at all. But I, particularly in the matters of language, you know, the Hebrew language and that sort of thing. It says, according to Psalm 11, verse 5, God hates someone. Isn't that it? I, you know, I, and that's kind of, in our modern uh, kind of era of thinking about God, I guess here in our, in our culture at least, we don't, you wouldn't say that God hates someone, but it, it seems to say in the text there that uh, God hates someone. And my question is, who does God hate, according to Psalm 11, verse 5? So, Jacob, are you going to be able to unscrew the inscrutable on that? Oh, I think and, that you'll be just fine on your own. Oh, all right, okay, I uh-oh, that I mean, I'm in trouble. But, uh, okay, let me see another question for you. Let's jump into, um, let's get jump into, I'm going to try to find, okay, Psalm 12. Let's go to Psalm 12. What is as pure as silver, silver that has been purified seven times over? And uh, that number seven, doesn't that some kind of a reference to perfection or... The idea that it's a totally, absolutely pure silver, or, or sil- purified to a to a high degree, at least, right? High to agree. What is <laughs> what is as pure as silver? Silver that has been purified seven times over, according to Psalm twelve, verse six. I like that an awful lot. Okay, and then um, do I want to give one more question? Let me see. Psalm. Let's go to let's go to Psalm thirteen. David begins Psalm thirteen uh, in anguish and deep sorrow, asking God the same question four times in the first two verses. What was the question that David asked the Lord four times in the first two verses in Psalm? 13. Now you can go to these passages and look them up. It's all right. It's a it's an open book quiz. So you'll be able to go there, look it up, find the answer, give us a call 3409585 and 8776305757. So Jacob, I've given the questions from the from the Psalms. You give us some questions now from the Genesis and maybe a couple of questions from Exodus. Okay. And uh, so people know how this kind of works, uh, you and Whoever your magical assistants are, mm-hmm. uh, you actually put all these a lot of work into selecting all these questions, and then from the pot, uh, the big pot, I pull out two or three selections. Right. Right. That's the all way right. it works. All right. So it's like I, bingo. It's like bingo. So you say B eleven. Oh, okay. No, that's well. Not. Okay. Well, you be happy here. <laughs> um, okay. Happy. I'm going to do your number three, which okay. will be the one, first one I'm selecting. Okay. As the oldest son. I talked my brothers into putting Joseph into a deep pit instead of killing him. Who am I? The answer is in thirty-seven twenty-two. Genesis thirty-seven twenty-two. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and the next question is your number four, and they actually go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my idea to sell Joseph as a slave to a caravan of Ishmaelite traders. Who am I? And that's in 3726. And you have a little bit of a problem well, with that question. Well, problem, uh, a twink. 
Yeah. Anyway, so here's my question. If somebody wants to call in on those first two questions, I get the, as you use your word, pontificate. All right. There you so go. there's the first mm. two. And I'll do uh, your number 22 as the third choice. Okay. And that would be, Joseph saw God's hand at work in spite of his brother's sin against him. As Joseph explained, why did God allow his, well, you got 13, but that's okay, um, years of suffering to rise in the, to rise him to second in command in Egypt. That's in 45, 5 through 7. Joseph saw God's hand at work in spite of his brother's sin against him. As Joseph explains it, in, in this chapter, right, chapter 45, verses 5 yes. through 7, uh-huh, uh-huh. as Joseph explains it, why did God allow his 13 years of suffering? And, and you questioning a little bit the idea of the 13 years, right? Is that uh, Well, I would, I would twink it, but that's okay. okay. Uh-huh. Let's not worry about the years. 12 years, 7 months, 3 weeks, and 4 days. Or 22 years, but who's counting? <laughs> okay, well, that's a pretty significant difference. Why did God allow his th- uh, 22 years or his 13 years of suffering and his rise to second in command of Egypt? Why did God do that? Look at chapter 45, verses 5 through 7. And to me, this is really, this is m- the bigger picture. It's not just about this one man and about this one family. And that's that's us backing up a little bit. Uh, in in the the biblical narrative and getting the big picture of what God is trying to do uh, in and through and with this particular people group. And and that's very healthy. I like that question. It gives us a chance to talk about that a little bit. That's an important perspective. All right. What else? Uh, See, that was three. Uh, I'll do one more. How's that? Uh, From Um, Genesis? Yes. uh And that's uh, 23, your question 23, which is my fourth selection. Uh We were the heads of two tribes of Israel. Not the only two not born in, well, oh. Canaan. Okay, you don't like that word, I know. Well, oh, okay. is it not? Is Canaan not a good name for? Oh, it? I'm sorry, I said Canaan. I'm sorry, okay. it's in Canaan in English. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's not particularly the Jewish perspective of the land, right? Well, is that the uh, idea? I think that you probably would be right on that. Uh, but I will say this: at this time, Israel was already designated as Israel. But that's okay. We okay. know what you're talking about, and that's the important thing. Okay. So we've got these two, mm-hmm. two of the two. They were heads of two of the twelve tribes of Israel, but they were not born in Israel in that uh-huh. land. That's so right. who are these two? That's the question. And that'd right? be in Genesis forty-six twenty. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Kin, to a, kin to one of our favorite biblical figures, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, now, you want to get one or so from Exodus? Yeah, let's get a couple, if you don't mind. A couple? Yeah, okay. sure. All right. We're being uh, extravagant. Uh, tr- okay. Uh, in Exodus, you're number two, let's say. We were ordered by Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to kill all the male Hebrew babies. But because we feared God, we refused. Who are we? Exodus one fifteen. Exodus one fifteen. We were ordered by Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to kill all the male Hebrew uh-huh. babies. Okay. Okay. You know, that might be an interesting uh, question in light of some of the news stories this week about this uh, out in Colorado. This uh, we've had a very actually has been very rare. As deep and as emotional as the debate and the and the conflict 
social conflict about abortion in our country. It's astounding to me all the years that have passed that those who are deeply and emotionally against the idea of killing an innocent child in the womb, uh, really, I've been amazed at the restraint and the discipline. You would have thought there would have been more violence or more mm-hmm. uh, action about this, but all, most all of it has been uh, peaceful demonstration and, and pleading and prayers and, and so on. But this past week we saw uh, uh, violence perpetrated uh, and they're in Colorado about uh, around the, this abortion clinic. And uh, so maybe it's, maybe that particular verse will open up some conversation, maybe about it. We were ordered by Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to kill all male Hebrew babies, but because we feared God, we refused. Who are we? And these, um, these two, uh, I guess we'll say ladies, identify them that way, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're remembered fondly and honored right in in hebrew they disobeyed pharaoh and it says they were given houses of their own oh really yeah okay. so they were honored yes am i supposed to be seeing anything on that yes. particular monitored john okay no so uh we have a question caller do we john okay what Not happened yet. to the caller keep going i didn't see him on the board here either that's the reason i was wondering about the phone oh uh, uh, john's got a right is writing him down and giving him to yeah him. that's right it, we're going back to the the uh, apache indian methods here oh. <laughs> Let's go to another question from the book of Exodus, chapters 1 through 6. All right, one more. You know what I like? Uh, do you, um, do you, I'd like to hear you wax eloquent about number 10. Oh, number Just, 10. I wondered. Okay, well, let's do that. Is one. that one you could sure. find interesting? Yeah, yeah, sure, why not? Uh, number, you're number 10. When Moses spoke to the people of Israel and to Pharaoh, what name was he supposed to use for the God who sent him? Who will I say sent me? And he said, to the burning bush, right? Uh, I yeah. am. Okay, this, yeah. this great I am statement. We can uh, talk about that a bit. It's very dramatic uh, clarity, and it's used, referred to in Scripture throughout Old and New Testaments, I guess, a number of times. It, would you agree? I mean, is it? It is, it? yes. Okay, all right. I'm on, I'm walking on eggshells tonight. I'm really trying to get. Uh, oh, get don't on, walk on eggshells. I'm, I'm trying to get on Jacob's good side uh-huh. here. But anyway, there you have it. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine questions right. out there. Uh, you can give us a call three four zero ninety five eighty five. If you have an answer to any of those questions that we put out tonight, then you can give us a call and answer, and we can talk about that or something else on your mind. Maybe you have another question totally separate of your own about the Scriptures. We're looking at the great book of Genesis. We've been in that now for uh, several weeks, and now we're moving over on into continue the the narrative of of God's dealings with this group. You know, Jacob, just for kind of overview, the big picture again, the book of Genesis starts its, its first 11 chapters deal with all of humanity. It deals with the, the creation of the world, the creation of the human race, Adam and Eve, the, 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 the first uh, couple, the first uh, um, human family, and then the expansion, the, you might say a population explosion of that era as they increased in number and number over the hundreds of years. And so we see the human race expanding. Twice they go through a crisis because they don't obey God's commandment to spread out and multiply, to, to cover the earth. Uh, I, I take that to mean that it was God intent, God's intent that there would be 
different people groups within the human race, that there would be different cultures, different societies. Well, God himself set up boundaries. Exactly, for the different nations and people groups. Yes, and that was pretty wise of him, actually. It seems to me to make sense in light of the fact, uh, the way I explain it, at least I think about it in my own mind, is I see that as as sin and the the propensity and the tendency towards selfishness, selfishness and sin, what so, some call the, the sin nature, the sin made its way into the human race, this irrevocable, irresistible tendency to selfishness and sin, that that as that came into the human race and became a reality, that these different culture groups and different people groups were to serve as a, as a kind of mitigating, don't you like that? It's a good lawyer word, a mitigating effect on that sin impulse, that sinful, selfish nature, and so that when a... Let's say when a Hitler rises up, a Stalin would rise up to oppose him and to limit him. Now, neither one of both of them are bad guys, but the, the idea of the different people groups caused them to serve as a different, a kind of a buffer or a, a dampening effect on the sin nature. But twice, it, 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 because they didn't obey God and spread out, we see the uh, the judgment on the human race under Noah in chapter seven. Uh, that the human race walked in lockstep towards sin and, and, and judgment, and God judged the human race and destroyed all but these eight people, this one family that was left faithfully uh, following and trusting and, and seeking God, Noah and his family. And then it happens again. He tells them, he says, spread out, multiply, but they don't do it. Well, when it, again, says, it says fruitful and multiply. And multiply. And what do you take those words to mean? Well, I, I, I've always taken it in the literal sense of uh, uh, good old-fashioned procreation, right? Just uh-huh. uh, the family spreading and multiplying. Okay. I'm but, guessing. Okay, I, let's say that one of the words mean pro, pro, uh, a pro, a procreation, procreation, and so you're having children. But what would the other word mean? Let me see. The words are well. Remember, Adam said, "Be fruitful, multiply." To Noah, yeah. "Be fruitful, multiply." To Abraham, Fill the Isaac. earth is the idea oh, well, too, right? Well, Wasn't okay. that part of it? Okay, but that's that's having children. Well, fill the earth. I guess is also what I my idea is that that meant he wanted them to spread out. Uh-huh. To, people uh-huh. on the beach would be different from people that live in the desert and the people that live right. on the mountain. Right. So he wanted these this diversity, these different cultures and people groups and language groups, but it didn't develop in the and so the race again walks in lockstep to judgment and we come out at the Tower of Babel and the people are defiantly saying, Let's not spread out, let's we you know, don't spread out, let's stay here. Mm-hmm. Let's build this monument to our greatness, to humanity. Let's, let's build a United Nations yeah. and all speak one language. Hey, and all and so and instead of judging or destroying them as God had promised not to do uh-huh, Noah, uh-huh. with water again, uh-huh. he confused the languages and he in a sense, forces them to do what he had commanded them to do all along, and that is diversify, spread out into these these competing people groups. Again, like I said, it served as a uh, ultimately as a buffer, as a mitigating, dampening effect on the sin nature, and caused therefore the human race to be more stable, to exist longer. Yes, there were still battles and wars; it was still bloody and cruel and and and, and violent. But the whole race didn't walk in lockstep to judgment. So, it, well, may I suggest I, that those, kind of those two words, fruitful and multiply, certainly refers to have children, uh-huh. but it also teach right from wrong, teach God's word. Okay. So that's what the old... That's involved in those terms as well? 
Yeah, that's what fruitful and multiply is supposedly supposed to mean, is that, okay, you have children, but you teach them right from wrong. You teach them God's Word. All right. What happened? There's Are our we off first the air? Uh, music. No. We're on the air still, but oh. we come to our okay. first break. You can give us a call if you'd like to answer any of those questions that Jacob and I put out in the air just a few minutes ago. Maybe you have a comment about the, what we're talking about, the big picture of the book of Genesis. Because at chapter 12 now, right after the Tower of Babel, it moves to talking about this man named Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, whose name becomes Israel. And we move on now into the... Uh, the narrative of, of God's carrying out his redemptive plan in history. Give us a call, 340-9585. That's the phone number. We'll be right back. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to where we had got our oil done before, it took us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we are back. Thank you for joining us. Kind of getting in the uh, Christmas spirit. Trying to get in the Christmas spirit a little bit. As hey, so, Soapy, am I on? You're on, Jacob. Oh, okay. By the way, I, I just in case uh, it didn't come across before, 
I'd like want to renew my hello to Tavon, my grandson, and my daughter Janine, and our other listeners that are listening this evening in Phoenix. But and we want to invo- invite William to give us a call back. Thank we, you. Uh, yeah, poor William. We had him on hold because we were finishing the questions. Right. And William, if you're out there, please call back. We'd Thank like you. to hear from you. Certainly, we would. You can give us a call as well. Three four zero. Nine five eight five three forty ninety five eighty five, or if you're dialing long distance eight seven seven six thirty five seven five seven. So give us a call. We've got these questions. Shall I repeat some of the questions quickly? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I, I, that that takes a half an hour. <laughs> All right, it's a long. Uh, well, uh, let me give the, at least the genesis. Okay, the genesis. As the oldest son, I talked my brothers into putting Joseph into a deep pit. Instead of killing him, there was a little bit of a merciful action in that. Uh, instead of killing him, I talked them into putting him into a deep pit. All right. And secondly, it was my idea to sell Joseph as a slave to a caravan of Ishmaelite traders. Uh, that's found in chapter 37, verse 26. Both of these questions come from Genesis chapter 37. Who is that person who, uh, whose idea it was to sell Joseph as a slave? to a caravan of traders, uh, slave traders. Let me see. Uh, Joseph saw God's hand at work in his life in spite of his brother's sin against him. And as Joseph explained it, why did God allow his 13 years, and Jacob says 22 years, of suffering and his rise to second in command of all of Egypt, which is really uh, Well, it was about 12 years, actually, in the prison system. Okay. And then the rest was still in exile, but he was had a much better job. All right. So there you, there you have it, uh, from a man who was there himself. <laughs> yes. yes. A- and, and you can come and get your grain. All right. Here we go. That's right. We were, <laughs> we were heads of two of the 12 tribes of Israel. We were the only two not born in the land of Israel. So what? Two heads of the tribes of Israel. Who are we talking about? You'll find that in Genesis chapter 46, verse 20. And then from the book of Exodus, we have these two questions. We were ordered by Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, to kill all male Hebrew babies. But because we feared God, we refused that order. Who are we? Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. And they have names, interestingly. And uh, Jacob has some insight out of, uh, I think, Hebrew tradition and history that we know what happened, a little bit of what happened to them. True that? Uh, that tr- that oh, be true. That be true. Okay. When Moses, finally, this question, when Moses spoke to the people of Israel and to the Pharaoh, what name was he supposed to use for the God who sent him? You know, I, I find that thing, doesn't the name of God... Very interesting uh, in the scriptures. It, it is, it's kind of different in the sense that we, we use the word God as if it were his name, but actually the word God isn't the name of God. It's just the English word for the supreme being, right? It's English title or name or right. it's what we use to describe or refer to the creator, the supreme being, the, the true and living God. Uh, but the word God itself is not his name, right? Is uh, God, no, God. See, I'm relating this uh, to, the, uh, to the Ten Commandments where he says don't use God's name in vain. 
Is it talking about the word, the three-letter word God? Uh, no. It's uh, God in the Hebrew is El, E-L. Okay? All right. And that is like, for example, Elohim. And if you look in the first chapter of Genesis, it says Elohim did this, Elohim did that. Okay. And when he uses that name, that means he's like the commander-in-chief. He's a strict judgment. He's the one that gives orders. Things jump into being. But when he shows mercy, he uses the Hebrew acronym, or not acronym, but the four letters, yod heh vav heh. So, the first time you're going to see that use is they'll say, Lord. And when in chapter 2, verse 7 of Genesis, you'll see it actually, for the first time, uses Lord Elohim. So, what it's saying is he's both, he commanded everything in the being in chapter 1. In chapter 2, he begins to show the mercy. Well, we're going to see this in a few days. We haven't come to the, uh, we don't have the people, I don't guess we have the people of Israel out of Egypt yet through chapter 6, do we? We don't have them out of Egypt yet. Uh, but they'll be, we'll be getting them out and we'll be going to Mount Sinai. And there it is that God gives the people uh, the, his commands, the, the Ten Commandments, as popularly called. So, um, I guess my question I, I'm is... I'm hearing an echo myself. My question then is, in that first command about using the Lord's name in vain, that how, we take that in our era, in our time, to, to not use the word God out of context or frivolously mm-hmm. or, or disrespectfully. Is that the correct understanding of that idea of not using God's name in vain, or is it something different? Well, vain means something other than for sincere worship or purposes. It's frivolous. It's taking it in a purpose that's not intended for. And does it refer to the word, the word in English that we say the word God? Is no, it? no. It's a different thing. Yes. Yeah. And until only about the last 20 years or so, maybe 25, I don't know, uh, the actual Hebrew name that they're referring to, the yud Hey vav Hey, is not actually anywhere... And uh, it's it's not actually wasn't even well known among in, even in America, but in the last eh, twenty years, twenty five years, people have becoming more acquainted with the name Yatevave, and right. huh? Right. Okay. And so they become more and more familiar with it. But it, I always thought found it fascinating that most people couldn't take God's name in vain because they didn't even know what it was. Well, here we're talking about this passage in the book of Genesis where God speaks to Moses from this bush, this burning bush. And uh, we're looking in, chap- what is it, chapter 3? It's chapter 3, but uh, of listen. Exodus. And you know, the, you know, a lot of Jews in the uh, most recent election, of course, vote Democratic. And do you know why that is, Soapy? I, I'm astounded at, it, at that reality. <laughs> I really am. I cannot possibly understand why they would well, do that. Well, here it is. Because the last time they listened to a bush, they wandered in the desert for 40 years. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. I didn't know you were going to pull a joke. No, that, okay. Well, that... Um, so, That's a joke. That's a joke. So the the, the bush, uh, they get to blame them once more. Uh-huh. We're going back to that. Okay. Well, it's a joke. I get you. I get you. That's, that's, that's okay. But, but listen, uh, I'll tell you what, since evidently... Uh, 
I don't know what's going on, but we're not getting any calls. 340-9585. So Maybe why don't we talk about something in the passage tonight? Okay. Uh, that's what I was trying to allude to just quickly about this I am, you know, the name of God, the, 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 the answer to that question, uh-huh. what name did God give to Abraham? And I was kind of wondering about, it's a big thing, this idea of the name of God. Not only I know I've caught from you, uh, among you know in Hebrew among mm-hmm. the Jewish people, but but we have that mm-hmm. first of the Big Ten. You know, well, can, okay, don't use God's. And I'm just kind of wondering, yeah, what does that actually mean? But uh-huh. if you want to jump to a different, well, no, I don't. I think I, that's that's fine. You go with it. But I will say this: that uh, my grandson's name is Tavin, and I just got notice that they did not hear me say that they were listening in hello tonight. So okay. hello, Tavin, and hello. My daughter, Janine. Hello there. Well, I'll be your faithful witness uh-huh. to say he's done that. Now, this is the third time, and uh, we're right. glad that you heard and are tuning in. So, Good but here, yeah. so here's the case. Uh, what goes on is, when, from the Hebrew perspective, from the Jewish perspective, when you read the Bible, if you're reading, I know in English they really don't use it a lot, but if you read the word Lord with uh-huh. a capital L, that's God's name. And it really, when it's Elohim, it's like judgment, control of the universe. However, if it's the other one, Yotevav, which many times in English they'll translate Lord, that is the attribute of mercy. So he's acting in mercy. So if you know that when you see that word he's doing mercy, then you should in, uh, construe that he's saying, ah, I'm doing something very kind at this time. All right. And that's caught up in the different names. The names themselves, yes. Uh-huh. But what constitutes using God's name in vain? Maybe we can get uh, one of our listeners has a thought about that as well. Can we go and let's visit with Tammy a moment? Hi, Tammy. Are you on the line with us? I am. We are so glad to have you. You're our first successful phone call on this brand new board. <laughs> we, we're uh, excited to have you on the air with us. Thanks for calling. I feel honored. Well, good. We're, we we ought to be. You need you deserve to be on it. What's up, Tammy? What do you what, did you want to answer a question, or do you maybe have another insight or question of your own? Well, I can answer a question, but I kind of wanted to get Jacob to come uh, to pontificate, as you say, uh-huh. about about, the, about uh, Joseph getting thrown in the pit. Oh, excellent. Good. That's uh, that's something he is uh, anxiously awaiting anxiously for. Awaiting the excuse to somehow to talk about that topic. I'm glad you did. You called in about it. Uh, let's get her to answer a question, though. All first. right. There is a qualifying question, and okay. then you get curtain number three. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, and I think uh, he'll like to pontificate on this as well. Do you know who it was? Uh, let's talk about the two of the brothers, the sons of uh, of uh, Jacob. One one of them was the oldest son. He talked his brothers into putting Joseph into a deep pit instead of killing him. He said, oh, let's not do that. Let's put him in this pit. Do you know who that was? The oldest son of Reuben. That's Reuben. She got exactly right. And then as they contemplated what they were going to do with this brother, the very unpopular younger brother, Joseph, uh, it was my idea to sell him as a slave to a caravan of Ishmaelite traders. Do you know who that was? I don't remember, but it may have been Judah. You got it exactly right, Tammy. Wow, that's a pretty pretty good memory there for uh, for you. On these two brothers, Reuben 
and Judah. And now both of them are prominent individuals. We'll hear more about the lives of Reuben. Reuben, am I correct, uh, Jacob or, or Tammy as well? Wasn't Reuben in line? He was actually in line to be the uh, the the what, what do you call it? The firstborn, the to inherit the. Uh, the, the the rights of the firstborn in the well, tribe of if everything had gone correctly, the answer to that would be yes. But as it says in the final blessings, Reuben is unstable as water, so he's very emotional person. A good leader cannot be subject to wild emotions. Well, there's a lesson right there for us. In, 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 in that's true. Well, do you want to respond to Tammy? Yeah. About right. uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Tammy, are you there? I am. Okay. Oh, she said God's name. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. Does so, that qualify under the first commandment? And actually, this is just a little side bit. I will tell you this: that uh, actually, I am is, is it's okay. But what it really is, the tense is not quite right in the English. Actually, it is I will be what I will be. That's the tense. And I always thought that would be an attractive thought if somebody picked up on that. Because that would lend some credence and perhaps support to Christian thinkers that think, well, I, I'll be, then maybe he did become, you know, Jesus. A man, yeah. yes. So, but I always thought, because yeah. the real tense of that is not I am that I am. Boop, boop, I'm Popeye to say, man. None yeah, of that. Uh-huh. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, that uh, may qualify. I'm on my little rant tonight. But no, it's actually, I will be what I will be. I just okay. thought that'd be an interesting side note. But to the brother. Okay. Tammy, are you ready? Yes, sir. Play my foil. Um, okay. What is, uh, who is usually and traditionally taught as being the perpetrators of uh, putting Joseph in the pit? Uh, the brothers. The yeah. brothers, and those would be his brothers of the 12 tribes, or so 11 tribes at this point, right? Ten, uh, right? Ten, ten at this point. Yes, well, there's ten at this point, and I, I was, yeah, that is correct, and that is actually one of the parables that Jesus is talking about in the New Testament when he says the ten virgins, but we'll talk about that some other time. Oh, interesting, yeah. And so, um, what, so but what happens is they get, and, and let's just take a look. It's in chapter 37. Do you have a Bible tonight, Soapy? I do. Wow. Let's just take a look at that bugger. All right. Genesis chapter uh, 37. I'm there. Sure. All right. Now, uh, by the way, let me just touch base on something. Um, uh, if you look at 15, it says, A man discovered him, and behold, he was going through the field. Joseph was. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody talks about these angels that come up to Abraham and stuff. That is actually considered to be an angel. Because what's this guy doing out there with no sheep, nothing? He's just standing out there. Joseph walks by and says, Hey, where are my brothers? And they say, and this understanding is it's an angel. He says, Oh, well, they're over there at Dothan. So th- just to get the context, Joseph has been sent out by his brother, by his father, to find his brothers, right? That is true. So Joseph is wandering around trying to find out where his brothers uh, went with their flocks. Right. Uh, he's been sent out to do that. So he goes off. And when he um, travels to Shechem from their home in the Valley of Hebron, mm-hmm. when he arrives, um, you're saying a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside. What are you looking for? 
And he says, I'm looking for my brothers. You're saying that that man from the area... Uh, uh, it's exactly when they talk about the man come, the three men coming up to Abraham and uh-huh. these other men appearing. Uh, there's a very strong and predominant sense that that man, in Jewish thought, is again an angel because he's out there, no sheep, no people, just out there. And so he comes up, and what makes it interesting is... Well, he's see, a man from the area. He's taking... It doesn't say that. I don't know. That doesn't say that. It says, what it says is, a man discovered him, and behold... I don't know where the area... He, he saw him walking through the field. Uh-huh. Well, okay, but look on down where it says, Let I heard your brothers, the man said, let us go to Dothan. See that? Uh-huh. Okay. Now, that sounds like a place, doesn't it? Dothan or Dothan? Uh, either one, yeah. Okay. But yeah. what that is, that actually is a derivative of the word judgment. Ah, we're starting to get a picture here, aren't we, huh? Does it show? Is it that obvious on my face? Uh-huh. Okay. Well, so, now Joseph went after his brother. Now, he's been warned. But they do go somewhere. Okay, they're out right? there. Yeah. But they're sitting down, and then they actually see him coming, and they say the dreamer is coming, and they say, hey, and that's verse 20, so now, come, let us kill him. Okay, right. now wait. The guy, this angel, as uh-huh. you say, or whoever, well, whoever it or is. a man from the area, uh-huh. uh, he says, let us go, and then it says here that Joseph followed his brother, so he... Mo- did Joseph go alone, or did the guy go with him? No, the, as far as I know, the guy did not go with him. When Joseph's brothers saw him then, they saw Joseph. Uh-huh. Okay, and they said, and they that, made plans to kill him. Okay, they said, let's kill him and throw him into wow. one of the pits. How unpopular do you have to have be in your family? I thought families had problems, but wow. Right. Well, I'm going to point out something that's not going to be very comfortable in a moment. Okay. Uh, I hope. At any rate, so now they said, let's come throw him in the pits, and we'll say a wild beast devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. All right, Reuben, verse 21, Reuben heard and rescued him from their hand and said, we should not strike him mortally, we should not kill him, because, you know, we shouldn't shed blood. And so... Let's just throw him in this Let's pit. Let's throw him into the pit. This well, I guess uh, it is. Yeah, well, it's, uh, yeah, it could be like that. And uh, lay no hand on him. But it clearly says that Reuben was intending to rescue them from their hand to return him to his father. So Reuben's intent at this point seems to be pretty good, right? Well, here it says, then he'll die without our laying a hand on him. It's kind of like you didn't want to have guilt for it. But then it says Reuben was secretly planning to rescue right. Joseph and return him to his father. Yes, okay. All right, it says that, okay. Now, Joseph, and look at uh, uh, 24. It okay. says, they took him and they cast him in the pit. And the pit was empty. There was no water in it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So it's clear that at this point, the brothers put him in the pit. Okay. We, we agree on that, right? It looks to me like that. Uh-huh. Tammy, I mean... I think Jacob is going to pull a fast one on us pretty soon, but for the moment it looks like the, the brothers grabbed him. They took off his beautiful coat, the robe of many colors, right. and they threw him into the pit. So we certainly have the brothers doing something not nice, correct? It looks to me like All right. Nice, so. Okay, so they put him in the pit. Now look at verse 25. Look what they do now while he's in the pit. They sit down and have a meal. They sit down to eat. And let me ask you, when you're upset and you sit down and you're eating, you start getting over your anger a little bit and you start calming down. So that's why that's telling us that they're having a meal and they're talking, they're cogitating. Okay. So, and then they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites that was coming from Gilead. 
Their camels were bearing spices and balsam and lotus on their way to bring them down to Egypt. Okay. Okay. Now, Sopi, has it generally been your understanding that it was the brothers that sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites? Yeah, instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite Uh traders. Uh After all, he's our brother, our own flesh and blood. In other words, after all, we shouldn't kill him. All right. Let's just sell him. Okay, and there's three words worth it, and his brothers agreed, right? Verse 28, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. It does not say that. Well, okay, it says that in verse 28. It doesn't either. Let's read 28 and see what it actually says. Okay. It says... Are oh, you talking about in your Hebrew, your magic Hebrew Bible there? Mm, I don't okay, know. No, no, I, I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm actually more concerned about yours than this one. All right. In your uh, Hebrew Bible. Uh, verse 28. Now, listen closely. Okay. Now, I'm willing to accept that people say... Uh, well, well, let me read it first. Okay. 28. Midnight men, traders, passed... Uh, see where passed by... They drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites. Ah. Now, if a person wants to say that uh, they they refers to the brothers, we can say that. But perhaps if we elucidate two more verses, we can get a different perspective. So when Ishmaelites, this one says, so when the Ishmaelites who were Midianite traders, they identify them together. Okay, the Midianites, the Medanites, and Ishmaelites are totally different people. Well, this one puts them together, doesn't it? In well, the year. that's a very, this very fine Bible, yes. Okay. Um, anyway, so, but look what it says. It says, the Midianite men, traders, passed by. And then it says, they drew Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces. Of silver. Okay. Now, if it means if if this if it's a complete sentence and it says they, it talks about midnights and suddenly switches and says they, referring back to the brothers, then it could mean that. But let's read the next two verses and see if we get any elucidation. Okay. So now it says they and they. Sold Tammy, the, are you still with us? And you can, uh, Tammy, you can add anything you want to in here. I'm wondering where Jacob is going with this, myself, and why is this? Why is this an? Is this an important detail? I think. Yes, so. sir. Yes, sir. This is very important. Okay. Okay. Now look at verse 29. Remember, Reuben, he talked him into not killing, right? Well, now he's in the pit. They're having lunch, and they ah. are. They're wait, okay, hold on. Don't steal my thunder. Don't steal my thunder. I'm in the middle of a point. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, so. It says, I did hear the aha, uh-huh, uh-huh. and there's not even a doctor in the room. That's true. Uh, they, so, well, that's not true. I am a doctor. I anyway, am too, actually. Yeah, well, great. So we have two doctors here, so <laughs> watch out, watch out, John. All right, so what it says is, now, Reuben, look what happened. It says in 29, Reuben returned to the pit. And behold, I'm doing this from the Hebrew. Yes. And behold, Joseph was not in the pit. So he ripped his garments. Returning to his brothers, he said, The boy's gone. What can I do? Where can I go? Now, if... Are you making fun of Reuben? No. Okay. But what I'm saying is I'm adding drama. Okay. Now, what I'm saying is, if the brothers were the ones that pulled him out and sold him, 
Because we're trying to define the word they. When it says the midnight's passed by and mm-hmm. they, the mm-hmm. whole sentence is, and they pulled him out. Mm-hmm. If the they refers to the brothers, then we have a sentence saying, the midnight's passed by and the brothers pulled him out. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it means exactly what it's saying, but the next two sentences seems to help us. Because it says Reuben went to the pit and the brothers gone. What, Reuben didn't know that the brothers took him out of the pit? Evidently not. Evidently not. And he's sitting there having lunch with them. Well, so, if they went to the pit, as it says, and, and they see the boy's gone. Reuben now says, oh, my gosh, he's gone. Well, now they didn't know what to do because they had put him in the pit. Now, may I digress for a moment? Whatever that means, I, I suppose so. I did not say digest. I said digress. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, here's what's happening. In, uh, and I showed, before the show started, so you could be my witness. I showed you the word in Hebrew, and you were able to identify it by the, just looking at it, mm-hmm. that it's the Hebrew word that means in its habor, which means pits. You saw that, correct? Yes. And it says they put him in the pit. Correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think I know where you're going. Okay. Now, if we go on a little further, and we go to, and it says he's in the pit, and, of course, uh, 37.28 says that the Midnights pulled him out, uh-huh. I believe, because uh-huh. the surprise of Reuben, All right. he didn't seem to know, and he was All having right. a lunch with him. All right. Anyway, so now we go over, and if we look. We continue the story. They yes. take him down into the, Egypt. Well, yes. Actually, I'm not going to get all the details, but there's actually two or three different transactions. Some people say five that took place. But, oh, really? Uh, before he ends so up he gets passed in around Potiphar. Yeah. Okay, so what happens is, look in 39... Look uh-huh. at 3920. Now, this is where Joseph has gotten trouble with Potiphar. Uh-huh. Now, Potiphar, uh, remember when Joseph was going to be seduced by Mrs. Potiphar? Right. And he says, hey, he's put me in, tighter, in, in charge of your entire house, except for, except what? Watching the bread I eat. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? That doesn't mean that you can be in charge of everything, but you can't have a sandwich. That doesn't mean that the bread I eat is a Jewish... Uh, a symbolism acronym okay. for who you have an affair with. All right. He want, he didn't trust his wife. So so Joseph gets stuck, and it clearly says, and it uses the word, and I showed this to you so I would have a witness on the air. It says in 3920, Joseph was put into prison in by prison. Potiphar. And that's 3920. Yes. Now, so it's we got... It's word. It's not the word pit. It's not the word pit, and I showed it to you. Into prison. Now, if you'd be so kind... Flip over to forty-one fourteen. After all of the thing, and, and Joseph is now going to be delivered out of, I guess, prison. What verse no, did you no, say? No, okay, wait, wait, wait. Uh, we got, we got the say? brothers putting him in the pit. But when Potiphar puts him in, in prison, prison, it says, clearly says prison, even in Hebrew. Okay. Okay. Now we go over to forty-one fourteen. Fourteen. Okay. Now, look at, and I showed you this word. Now, let me read what it actually says from the Hebrew, may okay. I? Yes. In English, of course. Uh, so Pharaoh sent and uh, summoned to Joseph. We're and fixing to have to take a break, so you might. Okay. Well, let me say, and they lifted him up out of the pit. The pit. Okay. Why doesn't it say prison? That's where Joseph put him. What verse is that? Forty-one fourteen. Uh huh. Forty-one fourteen. This says he quickly brought him from the prison. Yes, they but brought the him from the prison. The word is not prison. And I, I saw that's it in why, the Bible. The that's word why was, I was showing you. It is actually the word, the word pit. pit. Okay. Now, why does it really not say? Well, I'll tell you what. Why doesn't it say? 
uh, prison or pit, and we'll come back after and that'll be a good hanger. Why does it say we'll he took back. him out of the pit instead of the prison where Potiphar had put him? We'll come back with that. Tammy, can you stay with us? Sure. All right. We'll stay with Tammy and uh, give her a chance to pontificate herself. You can do the same thing. 340-9585 if you'd like to call. You can uh, join with us as well. We'll be right back. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Appropriately, um, would you call that kind of mid-eastern? Does that sound at all no, like? That Hebrew? sounds like a Christmas carol. Yeah, well, it is, of course. But I've, I also had the style, maybe a little bit of a mid-eastern style. Well, I, I like, I like it. Oh, is that you playing, too. by the way? No, I wish I could play that well. That'd be beautiful. We are back, folks. This is the Bible Live. We're grateful for your being with us. Hope you'll give us a call, 340-9585. Tammy is on the line with well, us. And, and before talking. I do, give me one second just sure. to clear this up. During the break, you and I were talking, and you said, well, I really don't see the significance of this. And I said, oh, it's very significant. And, and I, Tammy saw a significance, well, so I want her to kind of tell But here's, her here's what here. happened is the reason it's telling you, the reason the Bible's telling you that Pharaoh took him out of the pit is this. It doesn't say Potiphar put him in the prison. Different word than I showed you. It says he took him out of the pit. Now, in English, they always put prison because that's logical sense. He took him out where Potiphar put him. That's not what it says, out of the pit. Now, why would the Bible want us to know that he's taking him out of the pit? Because when the brothers had started a, a chain of consequences, all the bad things came from that. And they put those chain of events into action, one of which was simply getting stuck into prison. But so although they didn't when, actually when his, sell him into slavery, no, they did put in motion the that, series of events that's that right, led to it. That's right, sure. Okay, so the right. consequences. Now, when, okay. when he was pulled out of the pit, what happened is fair, his bad consequences had come to an end. The consequences, one of them was just being in prison. Yeah. But when he was pulled out of the pit, it actually says that in the Hebrew. He's pulled out of the pit. But in our, if we read it that way, it doesn't make sense logically, so we put prison or jailhouse in English. But when he was pulled out, the series of consequences that began from putting him in the pit was now coming to an end by God. And so now he was taken to Pharaoh's court, and he interpreted the dreams, all that. So the consequences, it's not just going into prison and getting out, it was the consequences that began by seemingly just one act of putting him in prison. There's a moral and an ethical lesson here. That if you do some things out of anger, they may have far-reaching consequences. And now, I'd beyond like, the simple act itself, whatever yes, it might exactly. be, sure. it, ha- it sets in motion. As, and so, uh, you're saying that uh, we're we're guilty of that, or the, the the important lesson is that we understand that that our actions have consequences. Is that kind of the idea? Beyond just the initial. Like you said, if I cut off someone's is foot, Joseph? Let me ask you this. Is, is Joseph what you call a symbol or a model, some characteristics of the Messiah, sure, Jesus? that's what we think is. All right. Then apply that to that lesson. It's some little lesson. Something happened. 
And so if that's true, then his one little action can also have good consequences throughout history. My little light just came on, Tammy. Uh, Tell me about what you you were saying, Tammy, that you felt like it was an important distinction between getting out of prison and getting out of the pit and that the brothers really didn't sell him and so on, but that they set in motion this series of events. Why did you? Why was it you said you thought it was a significant difference? Just to take the challenges. Just the long term. This the idea that. No, just what Jacob is saying. Actions have consequences beyond just the action itself. Is that it? Am I saying it right, Jacob? Sure. Okay. I. I'm... Are you still there? Yeah. Yeah, I'm still here. Okay. Well. well that's uh, and and that's really what it is is because we got some brothers that are acting emotionally and being emotional, hot-headed, angry, jealous. Those things can lead you to do things that lead to terrible consequences and the Bible's trying to teach us that Pharaoh took him out of the pit. He didn't just take him out of prison. He took him out of the entire chain of negative consequences. Yeah. But if I write the word pit, uh many English readers would say, well, he was in jail. And instead, we're being taught, and the English thought, that think he was taken back out of prison where Potiphar put him. But it's very carefully constructed to tell us that he took him out of the consequences that began. And now the good consequences begin. And he becomes what you might call a symbol for one of the characteristics of, for the Christians, the the Jesus, the Messiah. Well, you know, a verse that keeps going through my mind, Tammy, from the very moment we started talking about this concept, was that psalm. It says, he took me out of the pit and lifted me out of the miry clay. He took oh, me that's out a good point. I wonder if it relates to the idea that God is not only taken as believers, as his people. He's not only forgiven our sin and removed, but he's kind of gotten us out of the consequences, out of the pit, the the, the continuing consequences of our sin and of our, of our uh, uh, in his forgiveness and his cleansing. Would that be a good application to us? Uh, Are you talking to me uh, or Tammy? Both, I guess, both of you, since you t- seem to be agree, you, you agree about this this idea. And I, and I, I think it's an important distinction. I see it. I guess I hadn't... I, I well, look, had at, to... look at look at 4116 and mm-hmm. see if that puts something together for us. Okay. It says... When he t- was taken out of the pit. Now, I know it says dungeon or jailhouse. That's right. But when it, 16 says, jo- he said he told, Pharaoh told him his dreams. And 16 says, would you like to read it or you want me to read it? It is beyond my power to do this. Are you talking about the, the 41-16? I am. Uh, he told him to uh, interpret the, I had a dream last night, so uh, you can interpret that dream for me. Um and 16, Joseph It says, is beyond my power to interpret the dream, but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. Okay. So, you see, God is at action and ending the all the co- evil consequences that the brothers did by putting him in the pit. All right. And he's restored and it becomes uh, second in command all over all of Egypt. And he saves... The, he saves the basically the nation of Israel in the womb there. Well, he saves Israel, him. but it actually says he saves many people. So it's not just as he also okay. saved the Egyptians. And remember when he sets up these storehouses? Remember yes. that? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, and then what does he do? The Egyptians come to him and say, uh, we, need, we need food, so we'll sell you our cattle. Then we come back and we sell the land. Then we sell ourselves. And... Uh, 
correct me if I'm wrong, isn't the idea in Christian thought that you're sold out to Jesus? Exactly right. Aha. So, what you've got is you've got him coming in, and what you're looking at, what does he give to them? Food from the warehouse. May I offer the thought. What you're looking at is the establishment in the Christian world of communion. Wow. <laughs> All of a sudden, this entire concept is exploding with the... Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, I like it. I mean, it's very, very good. Tammy, anything else you might want to add to it? Or that was... You You gave our friend J- uh, Jacob a chance to really get into the yeah, meat of that I passage. I think one of your questions from chapter 50 probably sums it all up. Let me see what that was. Okay. Uh, I forget what the question was. I'm looking for it here. Chapter 50? Or later on, it was, uh, Joseph saw God's hand at work in spite of his brother's sin against him. As Joseph explained it, why did God allow these years of suffering and his rise to second in command of Egypt? Is that the verse you're referring to? Right, because Joseph, Joseph says in 19 and 20, Joseph says to the brothers, do not be afraid, for I am in God's, or for am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people yes. alive. Well, now I'm getting that bigger picture, just from what you said there, too, that it wasn't just the act itself that is being referred to, but all of the continuing consequences, the pit, the long 13 or 15 or 22-year pit that that J- Joseph was in because of their action, and now God has re- redeemed, he has redeemed that situation. He has made it, he has turned it for good in a sense, and that's a, uh, well, that is a great and a very, very important lesson. I agree with you, and I it is uh, it is made sharper by the fact that you see that the, the guys themselves it wasn't just the the deed itself of, of selling him which they didn't do it was it was the Midianites or the Ishmaelites very good thank you Tammy for giving Jacob a chance to clear that up it's a great point it really is a fine point but it has a long <laughs> deep deep meaning for us I, I'm going to jump over if you don't mind Tammy and talk to Harold a moment thanks for calling in. Let's go to Harold and see if Harold wants to respond to this about you know about these uh, sons of uh, Jacob, uh, the idea that they sold their brother Joseph into slavery. J- Joseph, uh, Jacob here, our Jacob, has put that into uh, context and saying no, the scripture doesn't exactly say that. That yeah, they're all the motives are mixed and all the things are there, but they didn't they didn't actually do the selling. But they did introduce a series of events that put Joseph in this pit, this this long, um, what were you kind of his under his long-standing consequences. What was it, thirteen or twenty-two years? Uh, what would you say, Harold? Do you have a different observation or question, or maybe a comment on this point itself? Hello, so are you there? Yeah, we're we're here. Okay, all right. Good to hear. I'm you. right here. What would you say about that point, or did you have another question or thought that you wanted to Well, I would like to elaborate on it, but I I know we're going all the way to the end of uh, Genesis, I oh, believe, 50, 38, and everything. And there's a verse that I've been reading in uh, John that ties to that uh, real quick. John chapter 6, verse 41. Uh-huh. So, so the Jews grumbled about him because he had said, I, I am the bread that came down from heaven. You see, Jesus... Well, he knows everything. 
Jesus knows that back in Exodus 16:7, when everybody all freaked out because they had everything they needed, and then they grumbled about that. Remember, yes. 16, uh, 7, it says, And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling. Now, I know it's Thanksgiving, and, um, you know, Jacob's, Jacob's death and burial. I, I believe that's uh, Genesis 49, 28. Uh-huh, at the end of the book, yes. Yeah, because I believe we're on Genesis, aren't we? Yes, uh-huh. Okay, well, you know, these Thanksgiving dinners have been cooked every year and a lot by my mother, right? <laughs> okay, verse, verse 28 says, All these are the twelve tribes of Israel. This is what their father said to them. Bless them, bless them, and blessing each which is a blessing suitable to him. Then he commanded them and said to, to then he commanded them and said to them, I am to be gathered up to my people. Now, he he's giving them a warning. He's he's telling them, you know, things aren't always going to be as it was. Okay. Now, now my mother has gotten down to where she's making just the dressing now, and after Thanksgiving was over and um, everything, I went over and lit her stove, but she told me this little story. She goes, "Hey, I don't know why I did this. I got down, and she's eighty-one." which isn't too bad since I'm 61. But uh, she got down on the floor. She could not get back up. And she said she crawled over to the living room. And she did fine. And she grabbed her chair, and she got the chair with the wheels on it and rolled back down real slowly. And she goes, now I got myself into a mess. I'm laying here on the floor. She scooted around, and she got into a chair that was pretty solid and lifted herself up. And I'm sitting there listening to this, and I'm thinking, oh, my God. She is letting me know that things are changing. Wow. And believe me, she doesn't really talk that much about, I need this, or I need that, or I need to be picked up, or anything uh-huh. like that. So to me, um, when she told me that, I'm, I'm thinking she's not getting me prepared for burial, but she's letting me know that things are changing. And I believe, I interpret this, then he commanded. I believe that the whole family was going crazy. They were grumbling. They were all upset. Everything was a mess. But the, the person that had the illness, the person that was passing away, they had to be the one to take control and say, you guys, get in line. We have got to get this together. And it's very important for me to go back to my, my homeland, my burial place where I'm supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And um, I just felt, uh, I, I actually been reading another part of the Bible several hours this week, and I was debating on, um, I was trying to tie it in with Thanksgiving and, and all this, and uh-huh. I, I just felt like um, at the time of someone, you know, passing or getting older, that's, that's when all this, trouble happens, and we have a great illustration of, on how to behave at the end of someone's life, and I believe that is, you know, uh, Genesis 49, 28, 28. Harold, it really is. Uh, God, you know, Jacob takes that moment. I don't know 
uh, he takes that moment to bring clarity and to kind of alert his children that, hey, a change is coming. We won't always be like this. I'm going to go join my forefathers. I'm going to die, and I'm going to, and, and kind of brought things into context, I suppose. Uh, uh, I think it's a good thought for this time of the year. Jacob, any thought about that particular passage or what no, I, has observed about it? No, I, I, it's very interesting. I thought it was a interesting, very good comment. Uh, also, and in chapter fifty, uh-huh. it it seems like it says then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him yeah. after he passed away, and that's the time. That's the time to. That's when you're really supposed to say maybe lose it, say uh, you know after they're gone. But until that point, show your strength. Show, you know, do what they ask you. You know, they're actually commanding you in a nice way to uh, take take care of things. Yeah. Uh, Harold, let me ask you a question. Do yeah, you, it's not in the Bible, uh, but what do you think? Why don't you think his father asked him if you've been this powerful and two days away from me? How come you didn't send somebody to contact me? <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I'm calling in to. Uh, to fill in the blanks of what I just said. Well, okay, but let's take a look at this. You, you're thinking that... But where are you on? That's what I'm asking. You ask, when you ask your son, you're now the second most powerful guy in the world. You could send a horse rider two and a half days away. You can bring me back, and years later, you just now contact me? What's mm-hmm. this business about honoring your father? No, what's going on here? So you think Jacob is in some way kind of correcting, or...? No, I think it's this. I think that, uh, from what I understand, is that um, Jacob, or Joseph, is saying to Jacob, we couldn't, and I'm trying to pick up on Harold's theme, I hope, uh-huh, uh-huh. and it's the idea of this. You see, in order for uh, Joseph to do this, what would he have had to admit to his father? He'd have to tell his father that his brothers initiated this entire chain of consequences, and that would have killed his father that his other children did it to him. So he was better, maybe for him, out of kindness to his brothers, to let the thought go by without for losing one stun instead of losing 12 or 10. Oh, my God, yes. That is it. That is yeah, that's it right and, there. And that by is, the way, when I, you're talking in when you're talking about Sophie, when you're talking about in chapter seventy, how many people went down? It says in chapter forty six, verse twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, chapter you you said chapter seventy, uh, chapter forty six. But you're talking about the seventy who went uh, down. Forty six, right? twenty seven says there are seventy that went down. Now why in the Bible does it say seventy? Something I remember from do you know, Harold? Yeah. No, I don't. Something about the number of nations of the world. Uh-huh. You got time? it. Yes. This Twelve. is this is the second time that seventy is used in Genesis. Remember, after you mentioned at the beginning of the show something about the Tower of Babel. Uh huh. And if you count the names that went down, there were seventy. So it's telling us. It's wanting us to understand something. There were seventy members in the nation of Israel. They had a different, you're always talking about being fruitful, multiply. You mentioned mm-hmm, this at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, they did not. I grant you, they didn't. But here's the idea. Seventy, because the Jews have always understood there are 70 base nations, primary nations. Mm-hmm. And so there was one 
Jew at that time, that was embodied with God's law to come and tell each nation. I like it. <laughs> and that's what the understanding is, because you'll find that it occurs more than once. And it also, well, I like it. The reason I like it is because, of course, my whole life has been caught up in that passion to yeah, that Jesus said, take this message, this good news of redemption and salvation, that you know, mankind can be reconciled to God. Take it to all the world, to all the nations, the people groups of the world. And that got burned into my heart when I was a 22-year-old young man. Mm. I started before that, of course, but that's when it took final effect, and I committed my life to that to that idea of help take this message to the entire world. And that's why you know, Suzanne and I have been part of the ministries of Campus Crusade for Christ all these 45 years and so on with that passion. So I like it. I respond to that, that idea. It kind of makes me think of that great commission that Jesus gave in Matthew 28 where he tells his, his disciples, you know, in, the, in a sense, as God sent me, now I'm sending you, go to all these people groups. Right. These and see, that's one reason I want to bring that up. It has always been, Jesus did not initiate that. It has always been the proper thing to do to spread the word of God, the right. laws of exactly, God. Exactly, yeah. But, and it's fascinating, at the end in chapter... That was part of the, the Jewish mandate, right? The it, it was, it was truly. But, in what Harold was talking about, when it says that he fell on his father's face, Harold, are you there? Yes. Okay, he fell on his face and wept. Let's stop and think about at that. At the passing right. of his father. But right, but let's say that he's passed, okay? Uh-huh. Now, the brothers come to them for the first time and say, oh, yeah, by the way, you know, before Dad died, uh, he said, uh, you know, not to do anything back to us, don't get revenge on us. <laughs> and, it, and then the next passage is, Joseph wept. Why? Why there? Why didn't he weep at his dad's death? It's because he never told on his brothers. And so since he didn't, the brothers had to be saying something that was not true because they said, well, uh, Dad said, oh. don't do anything to us because of our sin. And so by their so saying Joseph had never knew, told the sin. I get it. So that he was sad by the fact that they were, they were trying to use his father's memory. Right, the because they were fearful. That he would take advantage of exactly. them. Yeah. And, so, and so if you look at the passage, how it's written, it says, and they said, and, and, he, and then he wept. Okay. So what's interesting is if he had not told the father... Because he had had to kill his father with the actions of his brothers. So if he didn't, for them to come and say, oh, well, Dad said don't do stuff to us because of our sin. Well, Joseph knows he had never told. They hadn't discussed it. He had not dumped on his brothers because he couldn't hurt his father anymore. (laughs) Reminds me of something my son said this uh, Thanksgiving. He said, you know, the most wonderful thing about family is family. And the most horrible, the most difficult thing about family is family. <laughs> family is full of these ups and downs and backwards and forward and good. And, and it, the whole dynamic of family, is, it seems to be kind of carrying that out in this passage as well. The complications and complexities, the drama, you know, of family. And yet, this truly was not just one family's drama internally, but it it has a global significance because it's part of the the narrative, that the, the, the redemptive story, that God is doing something much bigger even than that that one family, uh, Jacob and his yeah. sons. Amazing, amazing, really. Yeah, Harold? Well, Jacob said it really well, and, and I like, you know, what you just said about the families, you know, and that's how I got the grumbling idea of passageway in John chapter 6, 41, 
And uh, because, you know, you hear a lot of things. There's all this thing going on before this dinner, you know. There's, there's, there's always that. And it's a good idea not to tell your parents, Leave, spare them of all the pork and stuff. Uh, let's just keep it biblical. The grumbling, you know. And 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 I've I've read some stories that some rabbis wrote at at the at the bedside at the death of a loved one just before. Don't walk up to them and tell them this and that and the other just before they you know just before they close their eyes. And to elaborate on what Jacob had just said, I like what he said about that that part in the Bible. What um, Jesus said also further down uh, John chapter 6 verse 45 it says it is written in the prophets and they will all be taught by God everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me and and so I'm thinking he's talking to the nations back there he's talking to the people of that time so they had to go to Jesus to hear about the Father there we go. Our time is up. Thanks for joining us tonight, folks, for the Bible Live Quiz Show. See you next Sunday. Help restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.